You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, founder and principal attorney at Sapphire Legal, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're talking with Albert Aloyan, CEO of Surprise HR, about employee engagement in the modern workforce. A lot has changed, apparently, as far as employee expectations when it comes to employer-initiated efforts to engage. And so, with a view toward all things modern, we'll be taking a closer look at this really interesting topic. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective do not necessarily reflect those of Sapphire Legal or its attorneys and should not be considered legal advice. You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast presented by Sapphire Legal. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Albert Aloyan. Thanks, Teresa. It's great to be here. We're happy to have you. So before we start, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about what you do and maybe a little bit about Surprise HR? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm the CEO of Surprise HR, software company from San Francisco. And what we've built is a turnkey SaaS platform that helps companies most effectively celebrate their values, wins, and their people. Uh, In general, our mission at the company is to emotionally connect people to the organizations that they serve. And we do this by leveraging some really interesting behavioral economics research out of Stanford. All right. Well, we're going to delve into all of that. Super excited. I think that... uh, uh, really, a, a lot I think has changed in come you know when it comes to employee engagement, and I got a lot out of uh, a lot of that from what I see from my own law practice. A real disconnect a lot of times yeah. between you know what employers see as effective engagement versus employee perceptions right. of those efforts. But uh, before we go too far down the line with employee engagement, why don't you just give us a brief overview of what we mean when we talk about that, so we're all kind of on the same page? Sure. Um, you know, typically when you ask this question, you know, about employee engagement, you try to define this. There's a pretty wide, I would say, dynamic range of answers you'll get. Um, you know, most of them will revolve around things like metrics and long annual surveys and how people answer those contrived Likert scales on those surveys. Um, you know, we like to think about the employee experience and employee engagement on, you know, a more macro level. Um, and what I mean by that is, if you think about it, the, the modern company is really a fascinating phenomenon. Complex, profoundly layered, you know, collective of people who have come together to, to advance a common cause. And when you have that many people, that creates its own little microcosm. Um, you end up having your own culture, traditions, and values. So if you look at the company's mission and all the principles that govern the interactions amongst people, not just leadership, but all employees, that's where engagement, we think, really matters. Um, you know, so to us, if, if you can measure people's buy-in into the vision and adherence to those values and principles and really understand the level of immersion each 
uh, of each individual actor within that broader kind of tapestry of the organization, uh, that's the employee experience and true employee engagement. Um, and I think and this is more true today than it has ever been because employees today with our generation are much more engaged and much more inquisitive when it comes to why are they working at this particular company. Well, we've been talking to a lot of um, a lot of people about millennials and the and the newer and younger generations coming up in the workforce, and and I think it's interesting because it is changing that dynamic, and I think that's really exciting. Um, and it does apply just across the board to everything, and especially employee engagement. Um, this idea that totally. uh, you know employee engagement was—I'm just not sure it was the same terms. You know, employee engagement when I was. Coming up in a corporate environment was more like, right. oh, company picnics next week. Right, right, right. <laughs> we'll be yeah. really happy to see you if you're there. If you're totally. not there, meh. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I think, but it's interesting because of, you know, the broad generational spectrum that we have in the workplace now. I think that we are starting to see this. Some say it's a struggle. Uh, in other aspects, I think it's a great potential for growth. Uh, a couple of shows ago, we talked about uh, the the upcoming dominant, the incoming generations as being little canaries in the coal mine to start right. sort of heralding some of this change that we're seeing, which I think is yeah. great. So tell us all a little bit about what you're seeing organizations struggle with the most when it comes to employee engagement. Yeah, totally. And, and uh, a little bit to unpack what you said there, first of all, exactly right. Like the company mandated fun hours. It's so interesting how over time that's become so polarizing. I think some people still like that. And then some you know, other people just you know, really consider this to be an intrusion on, on their work. And you know, we think that you know, any sort of activities like that just have to happen organically. It can never be you know, bottoms up. It has to be grassroots. Um, and you're right. I think that the dynamics and what people value uh, change over time and um, companies have to adapt. And, and in general, I think this is a really interesting you know, subject. You know, the, the tools that people leaders have at their disposal to engage their people and you know, more narrowly even to, to engender you know, a culture of gratitude and innovation at their companies, um, it has to evolve to be effective. You know, from from generation to generation, because you know, overall culture itself, you know, which we're all part of, is is a fluid, continuously evolving entity. Um, for example, we've observed kind of over the last couple of years is is this tectonic shift away from a from a central governance, you know, this authority-based leadership paradigm to something that's much more crowdsourced, much more inclusive. Uh, and much more transparent. Uh, you know, yet, but at the same time, the, the tools, the, the software, hasn't really seen any meaningful innovation, or even the approach with the parties, hasn't seen any meaningful innovation or disruption you know, since like the 90s, if not earlier, you know, when they invented giving people Rolex watches and, and plaques <laughs> and a United SkyMall style catalog of trinkets to, to recognize. Um, I think, you know... I'm having flashbacks is why I'm laughing. I'm having... Uh, so many people start laughing at that point. You know, with our generation, with the changing of the guard, I don't think that's going to fly any longer. <laughs> so, you know, our goal is really to build, you know, the world's first you know, serious contender to the traditional way companies engage with their people, to to really you know, finally consumerize this really ossified enterprise space with with a breath of fresh air and you know, with software and experiences that. Um, are really engaging and inspire people to use them. Because, again, I think that the generational differences are really important here, not to leave anyone out, but you know, when you talk about millennials and Gen Z, 
they were they grew up they they were born with this uh, with this high velocity high dopamine experience. I think it's important for companies to keep up. Well, I think yeah. So I think an answer kind of to that what you see them struggling with it's it's the it sounds like the integration of tech and and we'll we'll I want to talk more about that because I, I think that's a huge factor. Um, it's really interesting when you talk about you know organized fun and it's making me think. And I shared with you an experience that I had as a young. Uh, professional in the corporate world about, you know, I worked for a very large company and they each new person that came in, they do this great new program on employee engagement and none of us really connected with it. But I, it's funny because it's not a matter of money, is it? It's because no matter how Absolutely. much money you Definitely throw, if you're not, yeah. if, yeah, if you're not throwing money at the right thing, it's not uh-huh. going to make any difference. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I like what you said about, you know, looking forward, I think that it is this concept of if we had been a little bit more mindful about these things, I think that the corporate cultures would have grown as as each generation came in, if there were adjustments made for each generation. But the workforce has never, it's never developed like that. It's always been about what the status quo is. If it's not yeah. broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um, but you don't have that luxury anymore. That's the thing, because yeah. you know, with this tight labor market, with this competitive workforce, I mean, you have to you have to keep up. Otherwise, you're going to be left behind, and you're going to be left behind on people who matter most. You know, the creatives, the the innovators that are essential for especially large companies to to keep their competitive edge. So it's not like we contend this is not a nice to have. This is an absolutely have to figure out thing for large companies. I, I think so too, because it not just what everybody's looking for in the workforce. And we've been talking a lot about the generational spectrum. And I think everybody's looking for this kind of the same thing. It's just this particular generation of millennials has given a voice to what everybody's sort of been feeling. Um, And a lot of people are getting behind it. But how are you seeing that? What ways are you experiencing from, from what you've seen on how this failure to integrate technology has sort of failed everyone um, as just a starting point, because yeah. I, I, I really want to get into that topic. But I think it, it's good to know, you know, just from a base level, what have you seen as some of the more marked failures of, of uh-huh. a, along that spectrum? Yeah, well, th- there's, there's so much to cover here, Teresa. Um, there's a few things specifically that come to mind vis-a-vis, uh, vis-a-vis you know, generational differences. And I think this addresses also what you just said earlier about the intentionality of recognizing people and intentionality of uh, engaging with people. You know, f- for us, you know, we, one of the things that we do is we help companies provide experiences um, as a form of recognition, as opposed to just the, the, you know, the trinkets that I mentioned earlier. And it was such an interesting problem that we had to solve um, and that we observed a lot of companies are struggling with. You know, millennials and Gen Z, they're first and foremost thrill seekers. You know, again, they grew up in this high dopamine, you know, high velocity world of social media. So they have you know, very high cognitive baselines for excitement that you know, far surpassed that of their parents in previous generations. Um, they are beneficiaries of a booming economy and an open, interconnected world where many experiences that used to be far beyond any reach are now at their fingertips. Uh, And in this new landscape of high expectations, crafting intentional recognition and intentional engagement um, that's commensurately impactful can be really challenging, even for the more tenured people leaders and, and organizations that have a lot of resources. 
Um, you know, so you know, we, we always ask ourselves, like, how do we get people to really push themselves uh, out of their comfort zone to experience something new and you know, hyper visceral? Um, there's a really interesting book. Uh, it's called Ecstasis, um, but by this this author Stephen Kotler, he's a psychologist, I believe, and he says that you know the, the new generation really craves those extraordinary and unforgettable states of consciousness, um, and, and we've tried to cater to that by you know sending people to you know anything from just skydiving to, to to volcano boarding to zorbing. Oh, good uh, gracious! And it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you say this to to a lot of HR leaders, they'll be like, I I I have no idea. I don't want to deal with this. And um, I think technology is ultimately the answer that will empower and enable large companies to do this at scale and make sure that um, all of their employees are um, addressed and, and their needs are addressed and, and they're excited about it. They Again, they have higher thresholds for what it means to be engaged and immersed in their work. And I think technology is going to be a big enabler. It's really interesting. I love you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking, so the dreaded thing was always ropes courses. You know what ropes courses are? You ever no, heard of that? I, I, so I ropes know. courses used to be these things for executives where it was, then they, at first it was executives and it was team building exercises oh, and they would, right, 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 right. they would like take you out in the woods and, you know, <laughs> make you find your way back or, you know, yeah. scale of, you know, climb a climb something, walk across uh-huh. a narrow pl- I mean, it was terrifying stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a massive liability headache. I'm oh, sure. I know. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into the lawyer part of it. But yep, yep, it was just, yep. you know, it struck fear in everybody because, and, and that's an interesting idea when it comes to these things you're talking about, you know, the more outgoing and athletic and all these things. And, and all I can think of was like, oh my gosh, how do you deal with, how do you deal with not just generationally, but taste-wise or fear-wise because I one of the ropes course things Uh so my Uh my uh you know Mr. Husband when it happened to him they made them do something that they had to climb this really tall thing he's terrified of heights yeah so how do you you know how do you sort of manage that across Uh that (laughs) yeah that that, that's not even generational I mean that could be anybody could have that's universal that that's universal you have to and that's so, so that turned out to be much trickier than meets the eye from like an engineering and AI perspective, um, it, matching each employee with the perfect kind of experience uh, as opposed to like a generic and forgettable gift. Um, so, you know, some people prefer, you know, this, other people that, different people have different tastes. And, um, you know, again, that's easy to handle when you have fewer than 100 people. You can probably just walk around the office and ask people, hey, are you scared of heights? Right. It becomes a completely different beast when you have a massive org like, you know, the Microsofts of the world. I mean, it's a whole country if you think about it. Yeah. So, you know, we built this, you know, AI-based kind of core fulfillment engine. We dubbed it Amelie. And her job is, you know, we ask employees who are on the platform a series of questions uh, and have them complete some engaging games so that uh, we can learn their preferences over time. So, you know, from an algorithmic perspective, without getting too technical, it basically becomes a, a variation of the stable matching problem. And it's interesting, over a, over a large population and with a high feedback and response rate, you know, those sort of probabilistic AIs can, can really learn and become very accurate in their predictions. Um, and I think eventually this is going to allow us to deliver, you know, actually memorable and impactful real-life experiences at scale for all employees who receive it, um, and everyone will be served. You know, the person who has a fear of heights will be served, and they'll get maybe a relaxing spa day. On I want the, the watch. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> is that my option? Yeah. I want the watch. 
so, so everybody will be happy. But it, it's it's certainly a challenge, and, and yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. Well, tell me a little bit more about the AI aspect of it. We have some shows coming up, but we're going to be transitioning and talking a lot about uh, AI in mm-hmm. the workplace. So tell me mm-hmm. a little bit more about how you're using that to accomplish your goals or the goals that your clients are hiring you to accomplish. Yeah, so I think um, what AI is really good at, and, and again, AI is such a blanket term, and it's it's overused, yes. misused in so many ways. So I'll close up the aperture a little more toward what we know well, um, and, and specifically as it pertains to employee engagement. Uh, and I think that'll be an interesting conversation in of itself, uh, because you know AI can be applied to anything from you know recruiting all the way to benefits and high level analysis. But you know I'll talk about you know, how, you know, we use it to, you know, A, match up people with recognition that's intentional um, without having to waste hundreds of man hours. But then also, you know, we use a similar principle to, to surface like those workforce insights to leadership from an employee engagement standpoint that allows them to make you know, better, more informed people decisions. Um, I think that technology is still in its ascendancy uh, and we have some really exciting products in the work about it. So, Here's how we think about it. Um, you know, there, there's constantly events that happen throughout the day in different companies, and you know, a lot of those events um, gather data. Um, uh, for example, for us, you know, spot recognition is a very popular feature, or, or not just for us in general. I think this is one of the strongest um, ways that employees uh, recognize uh, each other. Like the, the one thing that has muscle memory already built up is you know, people saying thanks to one another when somebody does extraordinary work. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we piggyback off of that experience. And you know, every time somebody gets a, a little note and a little thanks and a little surprise, we gamify the experience in a way that allows us to ask people just a few questions you know, natively embedded into their experience that you know, over a large population can be pretty useful to people leaders. And, and here's just like a very you know, narrow example of this. You know, we'll have you know, a person play a little game. They'll reveal their prize. There's a confetti that falls all over the place. And then we'll ask them a question. We'll show two photos, and we'll say, um, hey, who's the most helpful person on the marketing team? Is it you know, Bob or is it Jody? Um, and then we'll ask some other questions that are you know, irrelevant. And then we'll ask you know, another question, uh, which is, you know, of the below, you know, which are, without looking, which are one of our company's values? And we do this in a very like engaging, high dopamine way from a from a product UX perspective, user experience perspective. Um, I'm sure you and your listeners know this app called Tinder, you know, where people swipe left and right on <laughs> on on dating preferences. Um, it actually turns out to be a very efficient way to figure out what people like and what people don't like, <laughs> because you can come. No, seriously, you, you can come from the whole universe of stuff to knowing pretty narrowly uh, what drives people. And it helps us also um, answer questions eventually, uh, answer uh, or surface insights eventually to people leaders like, if this person was put into a management or leadership position, and not a lot of people seem to say that they're very helpful, is this a red flag? Um, If we look over a large population when it comes to different teams and what our expectations are are of them, um, can we draw some inferences that will allow us to make the right decisions uh, about, you know, how we set strategy. I think that's where AI is going to be, you know, really, uh, it's going to be a game changer. It's really interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated by the AI aspect of all of the, you know, its impact on the workplace and all the facets you sort of uh, brought out at the beginning. But in narrowing it down to this employee engagement thing, it's really interesting. It's, it's great to hear, you know, I love the innovation. I think it sounds fascinating. And it sounds like it really does provide a lot of insights. 
And I, as that I'm sitting here, I'm thinking of all those positive things. And of course, because I'm an attorney and I always look at both sides of the coin right. for everything. Um, right. I, I was thinking uh, when you, you were first talking about matching people and workforce insights, it reminded me kind of a political polling in a way. You know, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, thank you, I believe is Joseph Kennedy. But, um, you know, that era sort of heralded in this idea that and it it makes sense. Right. Let's find out what the public wants. Uh-huh. So we give the public what they want. But totally because that bi directionality is very important. You know, typically when it comes to it, like organizations have internal comms departments whose job it is to make sure that they change manage, that their employees know what's going on, you know, in good organizations. But typically for employees to get a pulse on their people, that's been more challenging. I think that's why it's very important. It's interesting you bring that up. I think that polling, you can't underestimate accurate polling because, you know, well, you clearly cannot underestimate accurate polling. <laughs> but I was going to say, we're not going there. We're not going there. But, but it, it is really important. And it's, yeah, I think, I think it's a, that's a really interesting analogy. Well, and uh, it's, it's it, the other, uh, we're going to go to break here in just a few seconds, but I just wanted to, it's nuanced as well. And I, the more I learn about AI and it's, it's actually impacting the, uh, the profession of law right at the moment, very heavily here in California. Mm-hmm. So kind of gotten a, it, an immersion in that it's the nuance. Um, it's the nuance part of it that, right. um, right is really interesting to me this idea that you're talking about preferences and when you're saying you know the pictures and and you know making management decision making business decisions based on information gathered through AI um, in the way that you described even for employee engagement it's the nuance I think that's missing sometimes and I'd be interested to know when we come back if there's if there is any if you've seen that in employee engagement, have there been experiences you've had where because the, because it wasn't really nuanced as well as it could have been, it kind of missed something. So hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll hear, we're going to hear an answer to that, hopefully, and more from Albert on employee engagement in the modern workforce. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It sure means a lot to us, and it ensures that more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was... Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. Or if that resume was from someone who worked 12-hour shifts at the recycling company with my dad, who's 72. That taught me a work ethic that I carry with me every day. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone Growing up where I did, a lot of things could have gotten in the way of my goals. But I learned to push through, and that's what I bring to work every day. So maybe it's time we look beyond the resume and look to grads of life. Discover new ways to develop great talent that are so much more than what's on paper at gradsoflife.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking about employee engagement for the modern workforce with Surprise HR CEO, Albert Aloyan. So, Albert, I had ended on a question terrible thing to do when you're an attorney, never take a break. <laughs> when you're, and then there's a question pending. 
But so what do you think? What do you think? Have you have you experienced that issue with, you know, where nuance has with been nuance sort of lacking? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, the reason there's so much nuance here's so, so you said that, you know, data driven decisions for companies. I mean, that's such an important thing. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, but it's been histor- a lot of industries and a lot of decision making processes have already improved with the advent of technology uh, because you know, data-driven decisions are much easier to make now. But you know, historically, it's been more difficult to do that with people because whenever you deal with people, there's a lot of entropy in the system. There's a lot of uncertainty in the system because human beings are not often rational, um, and, it's, and it's harder to make uh, data-driven decisions like that. So uh, absolutely nuance uh, matters. And we've seen this uh, in actually a, a few different ways. And I want to give you, you know, two examples. One, you know, the, the typical like employee engagement surveys that companies send out once every year. Um, I, I remember, you know, one of our a company that we worked with um, had one of those employee uh, surveys come back, and a section of uh, a section of their population scored, you know, standard deviation below what everyone else scored. And when they looked at the data, they're like, oh well, you know, what's you know what is this? Um, why is this happening? This tried to get to the root cause. Um, and they totally missed it. Um, the, specifically, the uh, way they're looking at this is which of their employees are you know, most responsive when it comes to um, there being a need for a quick turnaround. Um, it, was, it was a healthcare company. Mm-hmm. And this specific department did, did worse, and they assumed that it's because they're disengaged, it's because you know, something's not going on there, the, the management must be faulty. And then it turned out that it was something as, as simple as you know, they, the people there just didn't have the means of communication. They were you know, doctors and nurses who didn't check you know, their email as often, so they were just not answering the questions the right way. Ah. Um, and, and it was, it was a, it was a super technical reason why their scores were lower, but it wouldn't have been, it wasn't captured because you can't just spin off a, a full project now to try to analyze things like this. And this easily remediated with uh, more pervasive technology and with better you know, AI and better systems, because questions like that can be asked uh, more frequently. Um, there's ways that you can interact with your employees that's not as contrived as an annual survey. Um, and uh, yeah, that way you, you can make better decisions. Um, and luckily in this case, the company didn't take any drastic action, but you know, another company who wasn't as diligent could have gone and, and really turned that place upside down, which would have been the, absolutely the wrong thing to do. Yeah, it's really impactful. Well, I'm, you're not gonna believe this, but we're, we're like, we're out of time. There's, <laughs> I really love this topic and I really love talking to you about this and we've got so much more that we didn't even cover. What I want to do is I want to give you an opportunity to give us some parting thoughts, some parting wisdom, and then uh, maybe sometime down the road we can have you back and we can fill in more of the gaps. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think, you know, the big thing here is we covered a lot uh, today, so I think this this will leave the listeners with some good tidbits. But um, we always tell people... Uh, we always tell people leaders a few things that are important to focus on uh, from an organizational standpoint. Uh, focus on your why. You know, be authentic. I think this is you know, super important. Uh, employees will notice when you, you fake or contradict your stated values. So um, make sure that you are authentic in, in whatever philosophy that you have and impart it upon your people. And always celebrate. I think that's, that's very important, and we can just never do enough of it. Celebration is 
know, core to human fulfillment. It's at the bottom of the, of, of, we think it should be at the bottom of the Maslow hierarchy of needs. And from an organizational standpoint, always say thanks to your people, um, always celebrate and do it intentionally. Um, and, you know, get some technology that will help you do that because we know doing that at scale is difficult, but there are ways. I love it. Great advice. Thank you so much, Albert, for joining me today and giving me uh, such great information and our listeners such wonderful insight into this really interesting area. Awesome. Thanks, Teresa. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. If you want to learn more about our guest, you can find him on the web at surprisehr.com. That's S-U-R-P-R-I-S-E-H-R.com. You can also connect to Albert and and Surprise HR via our website at sapphirelegal.com slash podcast, clicking on episode 27. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, Workplace Perspectives team extraordinaire, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Michelle Hardy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective. And until next time, keep raising the bar. Wow.